Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi guys, I'm Billy Bowden. I was a Preston North End player from 2018 to 2021, now playing for Oxford United. Billy, thank you very much for your time. Um, I know we've been trying to get it sorted for a few months, but our, our paths have finally aligned. Yeah, finally. How have you been? Have you been keeping well since uh, moving away from the northwest? Although you're back in the northwest tonight, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. No, we've got um, Wigan tomorrow, so uh, back up there for for a day or two. But um, yeah, no, it's going well. Oxford, bit of a stop-start season so far for me with like, illness and COVID. But um, yeah, no, it's, I'm sort of finding my feet now and. Uh, we're on a good little run at the moment in the league, so yeah, hopefully it'll be a, a good season. Good. We'll we'll go back to the start. Obviously, you came through the ranks at, at Swindon. How how did you get into football in the first place to sort of to end up at Swindon as a youth? To be honest, it was where I grew up, so it was always sort of an ambition of mine to to, to play for Swindon. And um, my dad was an ex-player there, and I used to go watch him as a young lad. And um, yeah, it was all. All I ever wanted to do as a as a young kid was sort of break through and um, play for the first team. Um, so I start. I think I signed for them when I was about seven, uh, six or seven. Um, but then back then you could still play for your local team with your mates and yeah, yeah. and have a still, laugh. Still so, get your your football fix and not have to worry about. Yeah, yeah. So so that was good. And then I think up until sort of under elevens, under tens, maybe it, it sort of stopped, and you just strictly would Swindon then. And then, yeah, I sort of went through the sort of ages, um, doing well. And then um, got my scholarship at, at 16, 15, 16. Um, and yeah, and that was it, really. How was it breaking? Obviously, you got your scholarship. How was it breaking into the first team? Was that like, I know some people when they're in certain environments put a lot of pressure on themselves. Like you, you've just said all you ever wanted to do was sort of break through. Was that a period that you was sort of maybe a bit harsh on yourself, put a lot of pressure on yourself, or was it just, I'm going to take it as it comes and what will be, will be? Yeah, to be honest, it was um, it was weird because my first year I was sort of just left school and I was I was tiny. I was probably only about five foot five and all the other lads, especially the second years, they were like men, they had big beards and I was like a little tiny little schoolboy. So yeah, the first year was quite tough and I, I'd always been a striker. Um, and then sort of that season, I got moved to sort of left midfield, probably because just the size of centre arse used to just brush me out the way. So, yeah, in my first year, not that I found difficult because I always found the footballing side sort of um, sort of the bread and butter. Um, but then sort of once I got my pro, uh, I found it not not a lot tougher. Like I said, like technically, I always knew I could sort of handle myself in sort of the first team but then the physical side was probably always a lot harder for me because I was so small. And then yeah. once I sort of got 17, 18, I grew a little bit. And then, yeah, it, 
I didn't really put loads of pressure on myself. I just always had a deep down. I just not that I knew, but I always thought I, I will end up playing in the first team, whether I have to go out on loan and, and gain experience or yeah. I just I just always had that belief that I, I I will get in and I will sort of get a chance one day. Yeah, you obviously mentioned like the technical side of things there and very technical player, uh, even rocking the R9s at periods at, at Deepdale. Yeah. <laughs> um, was that sort of, because I think, I think we're similar age, I think I'm a couple of months older than you. Okay. So I suppose I'm not very good at football, I coach, but <laughs> we, we'll have sort of both been of that period where England was, like it was seen as like a, a long ball country when it came to football, but I, su- yeah. I suppose in our time growing up, that's changed a lot. Do you think that had a, an, an effect on you as a footballer and sort of made you the kind of player you are now, or was that something that just came naturally to you? Um, I think it sort of always came naturally to me, sort of the technical side. Um, but yeah, like you said, it was always, I remember being in the youth team and teams just taking long throws. I'd never seen a long throw, I don't think, till I was about seven, 17. And yeah, like it, it, it was just, it sort of made you realise what football is all about. And that's, that was still youth team. And then obviously you go into the first team and the first year was sort of on the bench in the squads. And then that's a totally whole whole different ball game then. But yeah, when once I got into the uh, youth team, it sort of made you realise it's, it's a lot different to what you're used to. And then, um, But the technical side, yeah, it was always, I don't know if it was my dad sort of, drumming it into me but it was always something that I found probably comfortable with sort of passing keeping the ball or um, taking people on uh, but yeah the te- it, it just sort of came naturally I think to me um, whereas sort of the the physical side I probably had to work a little bit harder than I did with my, my technical side. How did you overcome that then was it sort of a case of you just grew up sort of had a bit of a growth spurt and then it went from there or at the time I think the the fitness coach at Swindon sort of always drummed it in and made sure not just me but all the young lads were always sort of doing their gym stuff and but but for me I think it was just training with the first team once I started training with the first team every day and um, obviously they're a lot bigger a lot stronger and then all of a sudden you sort of climatize to it and you get used to it and then when you do play in the the odd resi game whenever they organise one then you sort of felt a bit more comfortable and, and I sort of think the more sort of first team experience you got the the more you realise it's, it's obviously a man's game and you've got to sort of try and put your body about and, and get the body in the right areas I'm not obviously the strongest but I thought I always thought if you if you get your body in or you can sort of move the ball in the right way then the only way they'll get it is, is to either foul you or, or kick you so um yeah, it was just something that I, I just had to get used to, really. Yeah. How how did you find it? Obviously, you had a couple of loans, didn't you, while you were at Swindon? I think Torquay and Crew were the two that you had. How did you find it, sort of moving away from home and and being away from what you'd been at all your life? Obviously, you joined when you were like seven years old, and next thing you know, you're at Torquay and then Crew Alex. Uh, it, it was strange to be fair because I started uh, the season with Decanio. Um, and I played a few games and then all of a sudden I was in the stand um, and I was just confused. I think I think most people who were there under him would, would sort of say the same. But um, yeah, no, for me, it was a great experience. So 
I sort of knew one or two of the lads at Torquay, but yeah, moving away, it, it, it makes you grow up massively. Um, and yeah, I was living down there. I was trying to come home sort of after games or the odd day off. So um, it obviously wasn't too far. I think it was about two hours. So that made me sort of grow up, um, probably off the pitch more than on the pitch. But then also playing every week, that 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 helped massively as well. So um, yeah, it was it was it was strange because. I never really wanted to go on loan. Obviously, like you said, I was still living at home, um, playing for my hometown team, and then sort of to get bombed out and and go out and loan it. At first, I f- I was a bit nervous and a bit unsure about it, but it, it turned out to be a good one. And then um, it was similar again for the for the crew one. To be fair, I, I came back, played for Swindon, and then after a month or two, I was I was back out, and then it's sort of another whole different experience going a crew because it was just totally different to, to what I was used to at Torquay and Swindon. So, um, yeah, it was a good good all-round experience, really, both of them loans. Do you think loans, when you're that young, can either make or break you as a footballer? Uh, I think so. But I, I do think, I always tell young lads, whatever club I've been at, any young lad that's sort of in and around the first team, not really getting on the bench, I always tell the first thing I say is try and get out on loan and and to, just to get experience. Even even if you don't sort of do well, it's um it's massive. I think to just to be in and around another sort of first team, especially if you're going down the leagues, it's, it makes you sort of grow up a lot, a lot more. Um, I remember being at Torquay, you, you had to bring your own towel, like just little things. You wash your own kit. I never washed anything in my life. Do you know what I mean? And then first time using a washing Torquay, machine. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a clue what to do, but um, yeah, it was it, it. Like I said, it made me grow up big time, and um, yeah, it, it's something every club I've been at since I've always told sort of the young lads just go out, get experience, and like I said, look at sort of lads who have come to Preston while I was there, Anthony Gordon and Lucas Nemecha. I know he played a lot more, but you see sort of how they're doing now, and you just think. Going on loan, whether you're playing or not, it's, it, it, for me, it's, it's always going to be a good experience. Yeah, I think Anthony Gordon's maybe last week or the week before has sort of come out and said how it was a bad loan spell for him at Preston. Personally, obviously, he didn't really feature yeah. much. But like yeah. I said, look at him now. He's flying, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it, sometimes they don't go well, but you can sort of... It might make that person sort of want to work harder at their... their their parent club and and go on and and do well. Look what he's doing. He's playing in the prem at the moment. So it obviously he he might have said it's, it wasn't a great loan because he didn't get the game time. But it's obviously working out for him now. You mentioned uh, De Canio. Was he as wild as everyone says? Uh, yeah, he, he, he definitely <laughs> was. There was times where you sort of couldn't believe what was what was going on. Um, I know there's been stories going around for years about him but I can assure you pretty much everyone I've heard is 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 pretty much true um <laughs> he was bonkers but but uh, he, he was a good coach to be fair and um he did get his point across but at the same time he was sort of a bit crazy with it and he was very passionate which which you've seen a lot of the time on tv and it was actually at Preston when he when he uh, uh I was following him no, so I left in that summer, so right. I had just missed that. Um, but I remember going out 
sort of that night in Swindon and speaking to to all the lads and they were just they couldn't believe what had happened um but yeah it, it was sort of every day there was sort of something mad going on probably one of my favorite football like tv moments is Paolo Di Canio's post-match yeah. after that game where he's like League yeah. One, <laughs> <League> one West. <laughs> yeah that was um to be fair there was a few there was a fight with um Leon Clark in the tunnel um yeah, yeah there, there was loads there, there was <laughs> pre-season the pre-season was probably the hardest I've ever done um we went to Italy for I think 10 days two weeks and yeah that it was just full on it was the hardest I've definitely done for sure no nights out uh no there wasn't on that one which um normally that's what everyone looks forward to the the last night but yeah no there wasn't even one on that on that the the trip I went on there there wasn't (laughs) (laughs) you moved from Swindon and joined Torquay permanently in 2012 was that sort of did you have options at the time or was that like uh, I'm just going to take it I've been I know the club I know presumably the lads and the coach yeah, to be fair, at the time I was obviously I'd had a pretty good season. I think I scored eight eight goals that season. Um, and yeah, I I think at the time it was when the team started doing under twenty threes, and I know Swansea were sort of interested, and it was obviously to go into their under twenty threes. And um, I just got called called up for the first team Wales for my first time um, at the end of that season. But we had a uh, I was in the playoffs with with crew at the time, so I decided to stay. The manager told me I'd, I'd be playing in the final, um, which in the end I didn't play, so I was I was gutted. Um, so yeah, it was it was a good season, um, and then obviously I had a bit of interest, and in the end I think Brendan Rodgers had left, and that sort of went a bit quiet. And obviously I knew we had a good team at Torquay, and. Uh, I knew everyone, like you said, the manager, the, the lads were all good to me. So, um, yeah, I ended up signing there and, yeah, it probably didn't go as well as I, I, I'd wanted to. But, but again, it's, it's an experience um, that I, I sort of, you've got to learn from. And um, overall, for me, it was a good experience and it was a good time at Torquay, but it probably didn't happen as much on the pitch for me. Yeah, I think, was that when you suffered your first big sort of knee injury as well yeah so that came um it was I think I'd had a couple months left of the season um and my contract was up and then I I'd done it in the March I think and then we obviously got relegated to the conference and then that was sort of the end of my time at Torquay um so I was actually without club for for probably seven or eight months um and I was going to sort of St George's Park as much as I could for for rehab and uh, to see all these different physios. So that was that was a tough tough time to be fair. Um, not knowing sort of what what I was going to do. I was looking at just getting a job. Um, I'm I'm big into trainers and stuff like that. So my mates were always telling me go go get a job in Foot Locker. So um, I was close <laughs> to handing in a CV to be fair. So yeah, it was it was that was a tough time after Torquay um, and then. Thankfully, my my old manager at Torquay was Chris Wilder's assistant at Northampton. Right, yeah. Um, and he, Alan Nil, and he he basically said you can come finish your your rehab um, 
and then we'll we'll give you a contract to the end of the season once you're fit. So um, thankfully, obviously I'll, for him, I, I went down there and finished that off um, and then signed to the end of the season and then sort of kept getting little niggles and then yeah that was that was the end of that then so I, I think I played four games for Northampton but it, it it was something so easy but it was just so it was such a strange injury but all I needed was an injection but at the time they didn't really know if that was a good idea or not and then so I went off in the summer had this in, injection um, and I felt fine and then that was when uh, Bristol Rovers called me and, and sort of said do you want to come on trial and and yeah and that was it then. So going back to obviously you leave Torquay, you've got your injury, you're a free agent. How sort of worrying a time is that for you as a player? You, you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from, presumably. Like, is I suppose is that what an agent is for, really, to sort of get your name out there, and or is it a case of like who you know in the yeah. game? No, I, basically, yeah. My my agent was sort of speaking to clubs and. Um, I was because I was so young. I didn't really realise the the severity of, of sort of that injury. Um, so I didn't really think too much. I just thought, ah, oh, if I have to go on trial somewhere, like I know I can play at this level. So if I go on trial somewhere, I'm sure I'll, I'll get offered something. Um, that was my in my head anyway. Um, so my agent basically spoke to a few clubs, got a few trials sorted. I think there were, I had Chesterfield. Um, I can't remember the others. There was a couple sort of um, teams which said they'd have me on trial. And then I was on about to go on holiday. I was on a, about to board a flight to Portugal with my mum and dad. And uh, the Bristol Rovers manager rung me and I knew sort of probably three or four of the players there. Um and yeah, I just sort of weighed up my options and, and that was sort of the best option for me at the time. Um, but yeah, it was when I first left, it, like I said, I didn't really think too much. But then when I look back now, it's obviously a massive, um, a massive thing. I, I wasn't getting paid. Luckily, I wasn't stupid with sort of my money when I was younger and um, I tried looking after it as much as I can. And, and I wasn't sort of blowing my money as if to say. Um, not, not going and yeah, spending so, it all on trainers. No, 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 not then anyway. <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, so thankfully I, I wasn't stupid when I was younger and those six or seven months um, not getting paid, not sort of knowing, like you said, when your next paycheck's going to come. It, it was tough, but it's sort of, when I look back at it, I don't realise how sort of big of a deal it was really. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's probably one of those moments that, like you say, you look back and... Just think, yeah, it's probably a good job I wasn't spending all my money on trainers. Yeah, yeah, um, no, definitely. I'm, I'm guessing there was no uh, no going out and buying Yeezys back then or anything like that. Oh, no, no, definitely not. Yeah, I was sticking to one pair of trainers for the year, I think, back then. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, you, you ended up joining Bristol Rovers. I think that was on a short-term deal to begin with, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was only... So I went on trial. Um, I think they said come in for a couple of weeks. Uh, and yeah, after about a week, I think the manager said, we'll, we'll give you a, a two-month contract. Um, I didn't even know that sort of existed. To be fair to him, he said, if, if you do well and you keep impressing, we'll, we'll, we'll extend it till 
like another couple of months and then if you're doing well again we'll we'll give you till january and then once january comes if you're doing well we'll give give it another contract to the end of the season so i've done well in my in my sort of trial um got the sort of two-month contract and um even though i wasn't in the team to start i always knew i was, I was good enough to sort of get in the team um and i just sort of bided my time and, and once i got in um yeah, it was it was sort of no looking back then. I, I sort of played a few games and then I think I scored in my second start maybe. Um, and then, yeah, was, after about a week of that contract, I think I got offered till January. Um, and then probably a month or so after that, the manager came to me and said, we'll give you a contract to the end of the season. So fair play to him. He stuck to his word. Um and yeah, he's, he's obviously a manager I've got a lot of respect for. There's a lot of managers out there who sort of promise players the world and I'll give you a new contract every whatever couple of months and it never happened. So he stuck to his word and, and yeah, fair play to him. Who who was the manager at Bristol Rovers? Uh, it was Daryl Clark, who is now at Port Vale. Yeah. Is he someone that you still so keep in touch come, with? Um, now and then, yeah. he. Um, I actually nearly went on loan to Salisbury when I was about... 18, uh, 17, 18, and he was the manager. Um, and then obviously uh, he'd done well at Salisbury. I think he was the assistant at, at Bristol Rovers. Got They got relegated. And then the year they come up to League Two, that's when obviously I signed. So, um, yeah, no, I still speak to him from time to time. And, yeah, he's probably one of the, the best managers I've sort of worked under. Um, he sort of knew how to get the, the best out of players and... Yeah, it, it just seemed to click for me there. Um, and then, yeah, they sort of just carried on that form. So, obviously, you got you got your two-year deal at the end of, uh, I think, was it in the summer of 2016 you signed it? Yeah, yeah. How important was that for you, just knowing that you had two years just to settle down somewhere, focus on the football and sort of not have to like, worry about the end of the season? Yeah, no, that was, that was massive for me because we... We had just got promoted as well. Um, so even though I think it was sort of all the lads had got told quite early on, um, if we do get promoted, everyone will sort of get a new one-year deal. Um, but yeah, to obviously get a, a, a sign a two-year deal, I was I was buzzing with that. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was almost like I sort of I felt comfortable there, um, sort of from the minute I walked in. But sort of all the lads stayed for two three years um and we had a, a, a great sort of relationship everyone in, in the squad so um yeah it was it was it was great to to get that deal sorted and um the start of the following year i didn't have a great start to be fair um i think i was still in vegas partying but um but yeah it was it, it's <laughs> was that of, where the promotion party took you yeah so we, we we went to vegas when we got promoted and the lads still give me stick for it now because I had such a bad start to that season. Um, I don't think I scored till about November. So um, yeah, I got a bit of stick for that. Um, but yeah, it turned out to be to be a, a good season for me in the end. I think I got another thirteen goals. Um, and yeah, we we probably should have been um, higher in the table. Um, but yeah, it was it was like I said, it was a good season for me in the end. And then. Um, I made sure I didn't go to Vegas the following year. Um, and then, yeah, the, the following year was, it was a good season. Well, for me, up, up to obviously January when I left, um, I think I got 11, 10, 11 goals. I think I, um, I've got you down as 13 in the first half of the season. 
Oh, really? Oh, I might have got 13 then. I, I thought I had 12 and then I got, I think, one for Preston against Forrest and then it made 13, was it? Or uh, that just I, I read something before that said you'd scored 13 at Bristol City before you left. Oh, okay. true that oh. is. I don't, I don't know. No. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 12. But yeah, right. so... Um, and obviously for me, I didn't have a good start the season the season before. So to have a, a, a good start like that was was massive for me. And yeah, um, I was I was just feeling so confident going into games. And um, yeah, I was probably playing my best football at that stage. Um, and then that's when sort of a lot of rumours were going around. And um, and then yeah, before I knew it, I was I was on my way up the M5 and then the M6 to to Preston. How did you find the the step up from League Two to League One in that first season with Bristol Rovers? Um, to be honest, there, there wasn't a massive step up. Um, I probably didn't, like I said, I, I didn't have a good start, and um, I probably didn't do enough over the summer to sort of keep myself in in good shape and to keep as fit as I could. So um, yeah, I don't. It wasn't probably so much the level of football. It was probably my level of fitness, which had probably dropped. Um, and then, obviously, the following year, I made sure I, I, I worked hard in the off season. Um, and then I had a, a great start to the season. So, yeah. um, even though some people might say our oh, pre-seasons for getting fit, I think nowadays, anyway, when I was younger, lads used to come straight off holiday, straight into pre-season. And they'd be spewing their guts up, and um, but yeah, it's, it's obviously totally different now. Lads are probably working harder in the off season to, yeah. to man, maintain that fitness, and and then they go into pre season feeling probably fitter than they they would normally. So um, yeah, for me that was a, a big thing to, yeah. to sort of keep that sharpness. Um, and yeah, it obviously it obviously showed at the start of that season. How did the move to North End come about then? Um, to be honest, I think there was. Um, I remember hearing about it sort of in, in the summer before. And at the time, I think uh, Bristol Rovers were sort of, I was trying to, uh, they were offering me a new deal. Um, and then I heard there was a few championship clubs sort of interested. So um, I thought I'd just see how I start off, basically. If I start well, then I might attract a bit more attention. Um, but I do remember Preston being interested. And I think they said, we'll, we'll sort of wait till, till January and see how you get on. Um, and then yeah, obviously I had a, a good start, scored a few goals, and um, I just remember, I think it was uh, start of January. Uh, my agent said like Preston are thinking about putting a bid in, and then literally the day later, my Bristol Rovers manager called me and, and said we've accepted a bid, and you can sort of head head up and and have a chat and go meet the manager and. Um, and that's all I thought it was, to be honest. I went up on a Wednesday, I think, um, to meet the Alex Neal and um, Peter Ridsdale. And, and in an hour or two later, after I sort of had a tour around the ground, I ended up signing. So I had nothing on me. I had no boots or anything. And then we had Wickham, I think, in the cup on a Saturday. So I just yeah. thought, probably go home for a couple of days and pack my stuff and Alex Neal sort of said, no, you're training tomorrow. So, um, yeah, it was a mad rush to get all my boots and trainers, everything sent up, um, all my running stuff. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it happened so quickly. And yeah, that was it then. That was, I was, I was there for good then. Well, for the next three and a half years. Yeah. 
How was it just Alex and Peter that you met? Yeah, initially, yeah. So I went in, um, met the pair of them, and they sort of gave me a tour around the ground. Um, and then we I'm, had a chat. I'm going to guess of. they didn't take you to Springfields. No, they didn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be a bit different now. Now they're at uh, yeah, the new yeah, training excellent. ground. But, but yeah, no, they, they didn't take me there. To be fair, it was it was January, so it was getting quite dark quite early. Um, so by the time I sort of done my medical and stuff, it was it was pitch black and maybe that was part of their plan but um yeah so i didn't get to see it but to be fair what i compared to what i was used to springfields was was pretty decent everywhere else i'd been it was sort of just a training pitch with sort of a little hut of a changing room um and that was it so for me springfields was was pretty decent fair enough maybe i'm not giving springies enough credit yeah (laughs) (laughs) um what what were your first impressions of alex and peter when when you came up obviously good enough because you signed but yeah what what were you uh, no, sort of thinking going away from that after signing your contract to be honest obviously i i'd seen alex what he had done at sort of um at norwich and how well he had done there and obviously the start he had with the boys that season um and i watched a few of the games actually there was a few games on telly that season i remember watching the cardiff game and yeah, I just I just had a good sort of vibe from him. Um, he told me I'd sort of be in the team and I'd be I'd be playing. So um, that was sort of the main thing for me. I didn't want to go somewhere and just sit on the bench and sort of be a squad player. I wanted to sort of play as, as much as I can and um, and do as well as I can for for myself and the club. So um, it's obviously a club with great history as well. That was one of the other things. Um, just walking around the ground. I never realised how big it was. I'd never been there before to Deepdale. So um, just walking around, it was it was obviously, like I said, compared to the, the grounds I'd been playing at for the last four or five years, it was it was a different level. So um yeah, straight away it was it was sort of a no brainer for me. Like I said, you, you met Alex, you met Peter, you signed the deal. Alex told you pretty much you were training the next day. How did yeah. you find the setup when you came in? Yeah, well I thought it was it was it was a great setup to be honest. Um, like I said, I've I've been used to sort of the manager before, who was probably the most laid back guy. Um, didn't really do too much tacti- tactical sort of training sessions. To all of a sudden, we've got a meeting uh, for an hour on a Friday before a game, and then a meeting after training for an hour. And um, it was just it was just basically what I always sort of thought higher end sort of football or higher level sort of football is like um and yeah that was that was sort of it ticked all ticked ticked all the boxes and um yeah it was it was a lot more um intense to to what I was used to like I said the manager before he was the most laid back guy ever and then Alex Neal was probably the most intense guy ever um but yeah it was it was it was great for me i so all I wanted to do was sort of get to the highest sort of level I could, and um, yeah, it was it was it was just great for me. You've mentioned there, obviously, Alex is very intense. What what was he like, sort of on and off the training pitch? Is that just how he was all the time? Just um, like, lived I, he, and breathed he, the job, so to speak. Yeah, no, I think he did. He he always used to say how he's watching games constantly. He was quite quiet, to be fair, sort of off the training pitch. Um, but yeah, he, he, he used to tell us what games he'd, he'd go and watch and what time he was getting home. I think he was getting home at like six, seven o'clock at night, some nights, just watching games at the training ground. 
Um, so yeah, you could tell he, he he lived and breathed football and um, wanting to wanting to do well and yeah, to it was obviously a, a massive sort of difference to what I was used to. Yeah, you mentioned that obviously there was there was meetings that was hard. Do you think, especially in this day and age, with how sort of how much more tactical footballs become when you you've got like recruitment analysts and all that sort of stuff? Do you think? There's lads in the game now that if they don't understand that side of football, they, they, they sort of struggle with it? Or do you think there is an element of the game still that if you've got the talent, it doesn't really matter from a tactical point of view? I think there's there's probably certain players who, who probably go into their meetings and, and don't even listen. Do you know what I mean? They're, they can be that good and probably literally they're not interested. Yeah. Um, but then again, I think the majority... It, it is good to to sort of have those meetings, whether sometimes they do go on a bit too long or lads stop sort of concentrating. But I think you do need to have them sort of meetings to a certain extent, um, especially if you're sort of a new player, you need to know sort of the way the team plays or how the team presses. And obviously that season we were, we were obviously very good at pressing and nicking the ball in sort of the high end um, of the pitch and, and getting goals. So um yeah, for me it was it was it was vital because I'd never sort of pressed as as high as that as a team. Um, so yeah, for me it, it helped me because I, I sort of knew what I I was doing. And, and not saying I didn't know what I was doing going onto the pitch, but you obviously need to to really know when sort of styles change. You you need to know exactly what you're doing. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it helped me. It was just that sometimes. I weren't used to sort of a 35, 45 minute meeting. I was used to a two minute meeting on a, on a Friday or a Saturday. So um, yeah, it was concentration a levels. Yeah, yeah. It was a good squad, wasn't it? You know, you look, yeah, you look no. back. There's obviously yourself, Robbo, um, Piero, Ben Davis, and that, that's just off the top of my head. Yeah, no, I know we had we had a great team, and and to be honest, I I don't know how we didn't nick into the playoffs that season because. Um, towards the end I thought we were well I think I remember the Norwich game I should have scored to be fair towards the end and I think if we had won that or can't remember the game after we should have won as well and and just little moments like that I remember and then what did we miss out by was it one point in the end two points I think two points. which uh, yeah we had to win and if Derby didn't lose we couldn't get in so I think even it, a draw yeah. would have been enough for yeah. them. But I think they ended up beating whoever it was, quite yeah. comfortably. They scored like yeah, four yeah. or five, I think. Um, but I think it all came down back down to the Derby game at home, yes. if you remember yeah, it, yeah. when yeah. Uh, it Tom, Tom Lawrence, Lawrence scored, scored the free kick. kick. Yeah. Should never have beaten Chris Maxwell at his near post. No, I know, never yeah. Never have beaten To be him. fair, I, I remember him blaming the ball was moving. and But yeah, no, nah, you're right. He, he, he should have saved that one in my eyes. And then I think Brownie missed a pen as well, didn't he? Yes, or was it did, saved? Yeah. I can't remember if he missed it or if it was saved. Um, oh, I, I remember there being a penalty. I can't. I can't remember if it was saved or not. I just remember, um, yeah. After that game, it was not that we were sort of down in the dumps because we were still in an all right position, but you're sort of banking on other teams and sort of messing up favor. rather than yeah, exactly. Rather than you going out and trying to to sort of get the result to put you in your sort of. Um, destiny, sort of. Yeah, yeah, I think was it that season you got your first Wales call up? With yeah, us? so 
uh, I think it was in the March. Yeah, it was because it was my birthday. Um, so yeah, I obviously um, had a pretty well. To be honest, I think I I had a bit of a slow start because I I was so used to sort of getting the ball a lot more, and I'd sort of have five or six shots a game, and then signing for Preston, it was. Not that I didn't get a lot of the ball because I, I felt I did, but I probably didn't get as many chances in a game. Um, and obviously, that's that's what happens the higher you go up. Um, but yeah, obviously, I had an, a pretty good start. Um, and then, yeah, I got the call up in March and then made my debut against uh, Uruguay. How was that? Was that just like stuff dreams uh, I for you? Or? Yeah, it was, it, it was weird because... Like I said earlier, I, I, I got a call up when I was, I think, 20 and never went. And then almost, well, six years later, I've, I then get a call up. So um, the gap is obviously quite a, a big gap to go from missing out all that sort of football. But um, no, yeah, it was it was surreal to sort of four years earlier, three years earlier, not having a club to all of a sudden playing with Bale, playing against sort of Suarez and Cavani. It was it was mad to be honest, um, but yeah, it was it, it was a great experience and, and one that I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my life. The I think the eighteen nineteen season was it when when you did your knee again? How? Yeah. It's probably a double part question, but well, first part, how did it happen? And second, like, how much of a blow was it for you personally? Yeah, so um, basically, I was it was. I think it was on the Thursday before the season started. I think we had QPR at home first game of the season and I was suspended for it because obviously the red card against Burton. Uh, oh, last did, did, did you dive? Um, I didn't. I, I felt contact and went down. <laughs> so, But I, I got penalties for less. Yeah, I think the, the Leeds one, Leeds at home, yeah, yeah. Um, that was a pretty soft one. But... Um, yeah, no, nah, there was contact, but I probably did go down too easy. But for me, it was a penalty. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah, so I literally, it was two days before sort of the season started. And all I did was I went to do a step over. And as I pushed off, I just remember sort of my heel slipping um, and sort of my knee came inwards. And as I sort of carried on trying to push off, I just heard a big sort of pop. And straight away, I knew. In, well, I, I knew I'd done something and I remember the manager coming over asking if I was all right and I said yeah yeah I'm fine and sort of tried getting up and deep down I knew it was obviously something bad um, but obviously you always sort of you don't want to sort of you don't want to know that do you know what I mean you don't want to sort of feel it or yeah um, that kind of if I don't sort of admit it maybe it won't be as bad as exactly. I think it is yeah kind of yeah thing. totally um, and then, yeah, as soon as sort of Jacko, the physio, came over, had a look, he sort of, he, he said he knew straight away. Um, and I did, but I just didn't want to believe it. Um, so, yeah, so then I went for a scan, I think, that day um, and then got the news later that night that I had obviously torn my um, ACL and a little bit of my meniscus. So, yeah, straight away my my sort of head was was all over the place. Um, it was like again, I had a good sort of preseason. I worked hard in the off season, and that was the um, that was that the West Ham goal preseason. Yeah, yeah. So I had a good sort of 
off season and came back and I was I was scored a few in pre season and it was probably the best I'd felt. Um, and yeah, I don't know why I just felt really confident. I remember <laughs> that that pre season we did a couple of episodes and there seemed to be a lot of feeling around the fan base in general that like Bill's going to be a big player for us this season. Yeah. Like you said, I think you'd had a pretty good pre season and then. Obviously, that that goal against West Ham hit hit the headlines, so to speak. Yeah, from, yeah. From a PNE fan's point of view, anyway. Yeah, because it was weird. I obviously I'd, I'd done okay from when I signed to the end of the season, but I always knew I could sort of do more. And um, I think it was almost just finding out how different people play. And for, I was used to obviously sort of being the goal scorer. People gave me the ball as much as they could, and. And then going to Preston, you've obviously got no disrespect to the Bristol lads, but obviously they were better players at Preston. And I almost felt I didn't get as many chances or I didn't get sort of the ball as much as I would have. But you're playing with better players who probably would do something different to, to someone with less ability. So I always felt that I could do more sort of that season. Um, and then only getting one goal was a bit disappointing. Um so yeah, and then I worked hard, and and I did. I I, I don't know why. I just felt really good that preseason. Um, scored a few, and then yeah, the West Ham goal came, um, and yeah, like you said, it it sort of made the headlines. And then um, I think it was probably about a week after that is when is when I done my knee, and yeah, it was just it's probably the worst news you could ever sort of imagine. Yeah, you said your head was a bit all over the place. Have have you ever like really struggled with your mental health through like your career, um, obviously with your injuries and stuff? Probably not not during that one, I would say, but I probably did without knowing. But then probably the last season when I was out for a few months, I was probably quite down, um, and I used to just talk to my missus about it, and um, it was something I never really thought would would happen to me because I'm always I always try and be quite positive and. Um, and have a laugh and try and just stay as positive as I can, um, which is which is what I'd done sort of through that injury. Um, so as you and Josh Harrett were both sort yeah, of going so, through similar injuries, weren't you? Yeah, so he he done his about a month later. Um, I think the club gave me a month uh, a week off, sorry. So I went away on holiday, um, and then I remember Jacko texting me saying, "Ah, oh, Harrop's done basically the exact same as you." So not saying it was a good thing because nobody, I don't want anyone to do that. ACLs, it's, it's horrible. But at the same time, it was it was good for the pair of us because we, we got to sort of push each other in the gym and yes. we, were, we were constantly sort of battling who can get on the grass quicker or who can sort of get into training quicker. And um, yeah, and obviously to have someone with you, it, it can get lonely in that gym. Um, I suppose it's good to have someone there just to keep your spirits up as well more than anything, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And there was days where I was sort of maybe not feeling great and my knee was not hurting, but sometimes you just feel like a bit down and you can't be bothered. Um, and then he'd sort of pick you up a little bit and vice versa. There was days where he was sort of down and, and yeah, we just made each other laugh and we, we sort of got, got each other through it. So, um, and probably from that, we, we, we sort of gained a, a stronger sort of relationship together and I still speak to him now um, quite a bit. So, yeah, it was it was like I said, it's not nice doing it or someone else doing it, but the fact that we were we were there together to to sort of get through it was was a bonus. 
Yeah, obviously, like you say, you don't want anyone to, to go through it, but I suppose yeah. the fact that you, you did have that buddy probably was a, a massive help. Yeah. From my point of view as a fan, I don't know if it's maybe been more so recently, but social media has been quite a, well, especially recently, has been a very toxic place. How How was it for you when you were at the club? Was it ever something that you paid much attention to or was it ever something that, affected any of the other, the other lads in the dressing room or was it just a, um, one of them things that you kind of it is what it is you brush it under, not brush it under the carpet but you just kind of crack on as best you can to be honest it it obviously it is it's a massive thing um but for me i um sometimes obviously if you if you know when you've sort of played well or when you haven't and sometimes you might search your name and lads never sort of want to admit they do but I, i'm sure pretty much everyone does um but yeah, like sometimes you would and you'd see negative comments or you see good ones and it might make you feel a little bit better. But um, yeah, I think it does affect a lot of people. Um, I always, I never really, you you know when you played bad, do you know what I mean? So when I did, I wouldn't I wouldn't go looking to see what people are saying about me. Even, even when you play well, you don't really do it. You, it's, it's more out of boredom if you ever do. But yeah, I always just... If I knew I played bad, I'd stay well away from it. Even just going on the app, because obviously people can tag you, and um, so yeah. But it definitely affected certain people. Um, I've seen obviously Potsy getting quite a bit recently, yeah. and it's 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 horrible because obviously everyone's human beings. Do you know what I mean? And everyone has feelings, and um, it was something I tried to sort of stay away from, to be honest. I probably wouldn't even think about doing sort of searching my name or stuff like that nowadays, but, but the players do, um, yeah. younger, Human or nature, older. isn't it? yeah, exactly. You, you sometimes you're just bored or you're curious to see what people are saying, but yeah, I've, I sort of tried staying away from it, but I know it happens. And I know when people do read negative stuff, it obviously makes a big impact. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's never nice. And you sort of, you can sort of tell sometimes when people are down and, um, there was probably times where Potsy lost a bit of confidence, maybe, or other I dare players. Say he's probably lost a bit of confidence at the minute yeah. as well, because it's, yeah. you know, I spoke with um, Peter Ridsdale when I had him on the podcast, and he, he's not everyone's cup of tea, you know, yeah. he'll admit that. And even he was saying how there's things that have been said about him on social media, how it's affected him. And yeah, yeah. it's just in this day and age, I don't think there's any need to be personal as it as it as as personal as it has been no no i know and i i don't know if it was maybe shawnee at one stage didn't get a goal for a while and he was getting a little bit of stick and it's the thing is you like i said players know when they when they're not scoring when they're not playing well so so to to be getting it not just from probably teammates who are doing it as banter um, and you can probably take it a little bit when when your team yeah because you're with them or, every day aren't you exactly yeah or the manager or people around the training ground is is totally different but then when you're sort of going onto an app and you're getting tagged saying you're rubbish or whatever do you know what yeah, I mean yeah. something negative and and I, I do remember I think Shawnee got a little bit um, I think I did a little bit I remember but I, I think for me I've always just I've never not that I don't listen to fans but. When it's comments like that, you just sort of brush it under the carpet. Um, yeah, don't pay I try... too much mind to it. So yeah, to no, I, I I try to anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's like you said, it's it's happening more and more, and it's 
it probably does affect a lot more people than you think. But yeah, yeah for me, I always, I always tried to just brush it under the carpet, stay positive and, um, and just trust in, in sort of my ability. And if, when I do get a chance, you have, you've obviously got to take it uh, with both hands. Mm-hmm.